Howdy folks, and welcome to the Year 2 Podcast, brought to you by the Battalion. I'm Dylan Poitivant. I'm Alec Gatto, and we're your source for everything Texas Aggie football. This week we have Brian Bass, the assistant sports editor, joining us. Thanks for coming on, Brian. Thanks you guys. Glad to be on here for a second week. Uh, just a reminder that this is a part of the Year 2 project that we have going on this semester here at the Battalion. It's a collaboration with podcasts, articles, videos, and photos all coming straight from the battalion, covering the second year of Jimbo Fisher here at a Well, this week we'll be discussing A&M's performance against Texas State, as well as the highly anticipated matchup with Clemson this Saturday. Well, the first thing that I want to talk about is what I liked from this Texas State A&M game, and I really liked their defensive front. Going out there, showing out their talent, and holding the Texas State run deep offense to only eight yards. Keeping Texas State, or any team in general, underneath double digits in rushing yards is a very accomplished feat. And Texas State, like we talked about, even though they were 3-9 and nine last year and they didn't have uh, the best record, they were still a formidable opponent with recruits, recurring recruit uh, players coming in that have at least some experience, and they didn't get much going on the ground game. So I really like that from our defensive front. You'd like to see that. Oh, well, I can tell you one thing I was really surprised with was just the improvement that you saw within Texas A&M secondary. Now, it was that as a unit, they were promising this season you were going to see that improvement. But I do have to say as a fan and as a spectator, it was surprising to see. You got to understand, A&M last year, I believe, for seven interceptions in the season Mm -hmm. as a total. Well, versus Texas State, we forced four. So I think that's really promising, seeing that from that unit. I think it's uh, just overall, it raises my expectations for the defense as a unit. And I'm really excited, not just about the current players we have, but a lot of the young talent that we saw. We had three different players make an interception. We had Leon O'Neal Jr. kick it off with his interception followed by, I believe it was Miles Jones, who had two on the night. And the third one was, help me out there, Brian? Rodney Elam. Rodney Rodney Elam. Elam. He had a great game. He had a great game. And, I mean, that just speaks volumes to the improvement that the secondary has made, and I'm interested to see how they apply that going forward into this matchup with Clemson. I was worried about a couple things. One of the things I was worried about was the tight end play, being that last year that was our biggest – producer in yards uh, that's not the running back position uh, it was something that I was thinking the entire game well how are you going to figure this in you got Glenn Beal who's a guy that who can catch the ball but would never be my top target if I'm killing mine and then you also have Jalen we- uh, Weidermeyer who is I think is a very capable tight end that will get his shot here sooner rather than later um, but I don't think those guys are getting the ball enough I don't know what the reasoning behind that was, I mean, we also have guys that are a lot more experienced that can catch the ball. I mean, our running backs can catch the ball, or tailbacks is what we like to call them here. But that, and I'm more, I'm worried about what happens with the consistency of the offensive line. Can that line really hold up this entire season um, without any problems? Are there going to be, if push comes to shove, are there going to be one too many combinations there at the line? Something that may not accustomed to over the season. There were some struggles I saw in there, nothing too serious, but 
it did raise a question for me. Okay, is this a real trench that we have to protect Mond, which is crucial right now, mm-hmm. or are we going to have to be working with different adjustments or adjustments and rotations in every week? I hope the question, the answer is no. I like this team. I like this team's offensive line as far as depth and talent and experience up front. But you see it. we just got to we just got to see everything first. And I think this game here with Clemson. Uh, this Saturday is going to be a huge tell for what's to come. Something else that I'm optimistic about that we saw from the Texas State game and going into the game against Clemson is Kellen Munn. You know, he looked extremely accurate on the move. He was making deep ball throws that were on point, either close, either where the receiver could catch it or the DB couldn't catch it. And that's something that, you know, Hall of Fame head coach Bill Barcells would preach day in, day out. And, you know, after the game, when we uh, were in the presser talking to Jimbo, and Jimbo really emphasized how comfortable Kellen has become in that offense, how understanding he ha- how much understanding he has of that offense. He said that Kellen just gets it. He knows what's going on. And he was making throws in the game onto to his second and third read, even his fourth read, you know, making progressions, down his progressions and making those reads. That's next level stuff. That's what we're going to need. You know, if we're going to go out there and perform against a Clemson defense with a top defensive line and an experienced uh, defensive backfield, we're going to need some next-level um, play. We're going to need our, our receivers to step up. We're going to need Kellen Martin to get to his third progression and make sure it's the right throw. And that's what we saw against Texas State. And that's what we can expect from a quarterback getting coached by Jimbo Fisher. Progression and growth. And that's what we, we saw. We got a first glimpse of that. So that gives me optimistic against Kemp, uh, going against Clemson because you think about last year when we played against Clemson. He had 430 yards and three touchdowns. And we didn't feel nearly as optimistic then as we do now. We didn't see nearly as much then as we do now. And so coming in this, this game against a Clemson defense that is still a top-notch Clemson defense, the only difference is we're a little bit more ready. We're little, we've grown a little bit more. And we did well last year. It's, hopefully we can do well against them in Death Valley. We're touching on how you said uh, all your positives on Kellen Mond. I also really liked his composure. Uh, you saw where, as Brian kind of mentioned it, the offensive line at times could still look like they still in many ways could struggle, especially what I saw them struggling was pass protection. Mm-hmm. So the fact that I saw Kellen Mond maintain his composure, mm-hmm. I mean, it did worry me to see him take those hits every now and again. But knowing that he was able to sit back in the pocket, drop back, and deliver the ball in the face of pressure was something that I really liked to see. As you said, he went through his reads well, and he knew when to run the ball and when not to run the ball. That was something I thought was really promising. And just like you said, under the Jimbo, under Jimbo uh, Fisher, you can expect to see those quarterbacks make those mm-hmm. leaps. And if he makes the leaps that Jimbo's saying that he's making, then I do have high hopes for how he'll play against Clemson. You know, as I said, I, I wrote a column for the year two uh, project here uh, this past week over the Texas State game, and I mentioned how Mond is, you know, the face of this offense. I mean, this guy looks so composed, so poised in the pocket, making good reads, uh, throwing throwing balls on a rope. Uh, it has been extremely impressive. Uh, there's no joke, and I don't think there's any doubt that. Second-year quarterbacks in Jimbo's, uh, Jimbo Fisher's system just work fantastic. Mm-hmm. I mean, they just work really well, uh, especially when you have the guys 
around you to make those plays. I mean, you got ta- you even got capable tailbacks uh, of you know guys reliable enough to catch the ball oh, and then yeah. put it into the end zone. I mean, just Sean Corbin put that in the end zone off a receiving touchdown, mm-hmm. and he also had a rushing touchdown. Those are the guys that make the difference, along with Kellen Mond, are uh, having those guys around you that you can rely on to make those plays. Uh, especially guys like Jay Sean, Courtney Davis, um, Jim, Jamon Osmond mm-hmm. is looking to t- make that leap in his career this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, I mean, this is going into this game with Clemson. I tell you what, it, it's just something else. I mean, this, this matchup is in so many ways. So just dead, even it's, it's kind of hard to really put your, wrap your mind around it. And I, we talked about this earlier, was that I have more confidence in A&M going into this game than I ever had of them going into the game last year. Mm-hmm. And I think that first game of the year you know, against Texas State really cleared all of that stuff up for us. You know, what what has improved? What has progressed? What has regressed? Mm-hmm. And we've made light on all of those subjects. And fortunately, there are more fields where we're improving instead of regressing. And the things that we're regressing on a little bit can all be changed. I mean, these are guys with zero experience or near right. zero experience. Right. They don't have any chemistry together yet. They're all starting to figure that out. Imagine if we had started the game or the year with Clemson instead of Texas State. What yeah. will you have seen then? And now we got that tape, and they're going to be looking for everything that they need to improve on going into this game against Clemson. Um, and they get they got their feet running underneath them. You know, they got at least some experience coming in this game where they feel more comfortable and you can see more from them. And that's course. what we're going to need. You know, we need our secondary to be able to handle that receiving core that, that Clemson has. You know, T. Higgins, Justin Ross, they're no joke. And our secondary, we have Leon O'Neal. He looked solid. Ronnie Elam, we didn't get a chance to talk about him. He had a great game against Clemson. He had an interception, a sack. He was coming in clutch for us. He had the second most tackles on the day as well. You know, Ronnie Elam, that's you, you like to see people step up. And like you I, said, if you yeah. go against Clemson, does he step up? You don't know. You I was don't gonna know say if he gets comfortable. Yeah, I was gonna say I was you know, we were talking about what you we were really surprised with. I I mean, I was shocked to see I mean, Ronnie Elam getting a pick and getting a pick really after last year, Miles Jones getting two picks. I mean, it's unbelievable. It's, impo- I, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's what an improvement that is. And, and just Mike like, Elko has got to be loving this secondary right now. And just like uh, Alex said with uh, Elam uh, being second in tackles, I mean, just as a unit, they just look so much more composed. Uh, that was quite frankly and quite obviously our, unit that really struggled last season so the fact that they looked as composed as they did I mean you got to take everything with a grain of salt because we played Texas State and we're about to play Clemson but that doesn't change they were still playing D1 wide receivers they were still making good reads something I noticed they were able to read the quarterback very well yeah and that 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 that's a trait that's going to be able to be applied to throughout the season, throughout the schedule, and it's just going to be a matter of do they have the talent to be able to hang with some of these receiving cores. Mm. Uh, a unit that you briefly touched on that I was kind of curious about y'all's opinion on was the running backs. Mm-hmm. So obviously big shoes to fill with Travion Williams gone, 
Personally, I think Deshaun Corbin and Isaiah Spillard played terrific. Uh, I just, yeah, what are y'all's opinions on that? You know, you saw with the 85-yard run that the explosiveness that they're talking about in the summer that you see with uh, Isaiah Spillard. And so that's exciting to get a little one-two punch, a freshman coming in with some explosiveness. That's going to be useful. Deshaun Corbin, he looked good out of the backfield. That touchdown route, that out route of the backfield looked good. You like that, and you know you're going to need that. You're going to need a safety net for whenever the Clemson uh, D-line gets through the O-line. Oh, Kellen just dunk it off to Corbin. Corbin gets a few yards. That's something that is likely going to happen this Saturday. And then Isaiah Spiller, if he can come in and get a, a swing route and explode along the sideline and get a big play for us, that's a difference. That could be a difference maker in the game, and that's something that is not out of the realm of possibility. That's not like inimaginable to, to picture because this this is a talented backfield we got. I have one word about this tailback group and it's depth. It is something that we did not have concretely before. We did not have a group like a just a solid running back group. We had one guy that was doing a bulk of the work and then we have a second guy who is extremely talented mm-hmm. but his main his main, you know, assignment is special teams. Yeah, and Corbin, he was more of a just a relief back last year, right? For sure. Oh yeah, but I mean, when it comes to Jay Sean and Isaiah, you're talking about fresh legs a, a lot of the time. That's something that Travion didn't have, and that's something right. that Corbin barely got to see enough of last season was snaps. I think that this season, you know, with the depth that we have with Spiller and Corbin, is both of those guys can have at least 600 yards this year. Easily. Easy. Easily. They already have 106 and 104. One has a touchdown. Uh, it's talking about Corbin. And both of those guys are very capable of making big runs and big plays, just like you said, Alec. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that they both know how to clear a gap. They both know how to block. Uh, as to Isaiah's ability to catch, that's, you know, yet to be seen but you know for Corbin for Corbin I I like I like both of them a lot I mean I like Corbin a lot those guys are going to be making some big plays here very soon and I think the depth is the most important thing here that we have we have two it's a two run it's a two tailback system that we'll be seeing for most of the year well relating them to the Clemson game I truly do think that whichever team runs the ball better will have the edge in this game. I Because I, I expect both Trevor Lawrence and Kellen Mond to go out there. Both have really good receiving cores. Both are showing that they're talented quarterbacks. Both were able to dominate in the air last year. Um, I see, in many ways, them being very evenly matched going into this game. So I think that really is going to be a big key factor, is which team's able to run on the ground. You're going to hear about Clemson's running back with uh, Etanine, and uh, Etienne. 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 there we go. I'm just like Jimbo, they're mispronouncing. <laughs> but uh, you, you hear about him a lot. And, but what people got to realize is that the ground attack was key to AN and success last mm-hmm. year. What with Travion being the SEC's leading rusher, and that's a league known for really pound is. the ground. And so I just think that's going to be a key factor going into this game. Uh, and I really think that should bring us to the defensive lines. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think that's something to look for in the game. Is how does our defensive line match up against that Clemson offensive line in the run game of Travis Etienne? Because 
Travis Etienne, in my opinion, is a top three running back in in the in college football. Maybe top two. Maybe only Jonathan Taylor, and then I don't know who else you argue is better than him. Because I think he can do everything. Like we were talking about coming out of the backfield, getting uh, yards in between the tackles. He's a dangerous player. He's going to be a top prospect in the draft. He's going to be a top running back in the draft. You can already see his future. You already know what you're getting with Travis Etienne. Yeah, and he had a big game versus Georgia Tech this past weekend. And that's that's something to look for. We had we held Texas State to eight yards. Our D line is coming is our strength. I feel like on our team, and it's coming off a good performance. It's coming off build momentum. It's a good good time to see Clemson right now. It's a good time to see this Clemson run attack because. Trevor Lawrence didn't have that great of a game against Georgia Tech. Yeah, he was only in for a little bit, but he threw two interceptions. Our defense is suddenly getting some interceptions. You know, a turnover here, a turnover there, holding them, holding that run game, limiting uh, the offenses. You, we want to force their hand. We want to force their hand into making Trevor Lawrence win this game for us, win that game for them. Because if we do that, that's going to be much harder and if they can give the ball to Travis Etienne and he goes for 10 yards and Brayton has a 200-yard performance, we need to keep him relatively chained, or, um, chained and then focus on doing the best we can against that Trevor Lawrence pass attack with their very talented receiving core and T. Higgins. And yeah, I really like how you broke that down because that's going to be the key factor. Clemson's too talented of a team to allow them to dominate on both sides. Mm-hmm. They have they're they're too talented in the in the air and too talented on the ground. You got to be able to shut down one of them. Mm-hmm. And I much rather be able to shut them down on the ground and force Trevor Lawrence to go in there and make difficult passes. Mm-hmm. I think this game is solely determined about what happens in the trenches. Uh, both of our teams have very young defensive lines with uh, only one or two uh, returning starters coming back for these games. And for, for Clemson, that's Isaiah Simmons, outside linebacker for them. And for us, that's Justin Matabike. They both have the same thing in common. Uh, these guys are first-team, all-conference defensive players. And these are the guys that are going to be leading uh, each other's respective defensive fronts against our our offensive line here at A&M and Clemson's defensive line. It's going to be huge on who does better at that. Because whoever is able to get in that pocket is able to force, as you said, force Trevor Lawrence's hand in any of this, is a, or Callum Montan for that matter, is going to be the one who wins this game. Uh, as far as clogging up the run against Travis Etienne, that's, that's going to be really tough. What's up, buddy Johnson? Yeah, that's, it's, it's, <laughs> going to be, it's going to be a really tough. Uh, How you doing, A. Hines? Uh, to mm-hmm. clog that gap. So, but, um, yeah, we're going to need a solid performance from our linebacking core. And, uh, Buddy Johnson had a really good performance. He had some hard hits, led the team yeah, I was tackles. really impressed with him this past game. He, he had taken over the communications uh, realm of that of that defense, mm-hmm. being able to call plays up there. The quarterback on the defense. And packages uh, has been – yeah, it's been really important. He's done a great job. Mm-hmm. And they've been they've done – I remember talking to you about this, that there was this uh, one play where they had come around. Uh, they had clearly read the uh, – you know, our right, their left side wasn't going to be the one that they were going to try to run through. And you and I both noticed how those gaps were getting completely plugged mm-hmm. by Hines Rams. and Buddy Johnson. I mean, the B gap, C gap, just gone. And that's what Buddy Johnson spoke about after the game and having Anthony Hines come back. Uh, he said it was like so important that Anthony Hines is a great player and he feels comfortable. 
You like to hear that a linebacking crew is comfortable. They're young studs that are talented, and now they're playing very comfortable beside each other. Our defensive line, we already know what to expect. They're big dudes. They're run stuffers. If our linebacking core can come behind them and clean up their mess, whatever mess there is, we'll be able to stop that a run game. And I think you were talking about the Clemson defensive line. And even though they're young, Jimbo Fisher said it. They're new body, uh, different names, same bodies. They're still big, they're still monsters, and they're still going to be a force to be reckoned with. And if our run game can get going. Xavier Thomas is uh, their strong side defensive end. I wrote about this in my uh, my article about the AM offense versus the Clemson defense. Uh, he was the number one def- strong side defensive end out of his class in 2018, and he had to take a backup role, a second string role, because of that monster defensive line they had last year. And he still got 43 tackles and three and a half sacks in the season. This 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 team was deep. After you get past these first string guys for Clemson up front, then you're kind of traveling into no man's land on that roster. You're not really going to get the talent that you were looking at with last year's team. Uh, this, te- I mean, if we're talking about next year, then you're going to see a deep roster because they've done really well recruiting. recruiting on the defensive side, but that's 2020. It's right, 2019. Yeah. So Anum, I believe, has a realistic shot to win this game. I really do think they uh, – I really do think that their offense is, I want to say, suspect right now, but we'll have to see going into the future. I mean, this is Trevor Lawrence. This is Travis Etienne. This is a very good offensive line. Those are very good weapons he has as well. Um, defensively is a different story. The secondary is on a good is at a in a good place, and uh, and <laughs> the defensive front is young but talented and ready to get going. I know for a fact that Brent Venables is going to be having everything together here for this first game. I mean, he is not a guy to be taken lightly. So, uh, what, I believe the line is opening at uh, 16 points in favor of Clemson right now? Last time I checked, I was, last time I checked it was 18 and a half. 18 and before and that, it was 19 and a half. So, so what do you all think about that? Wow. I think that's... That's pretty wild to me because I don't feel like there's that much of a gap between this A&M football team and that Clemson football team. Clemson is the national, uh, the defending national champs. They are proven. They are returning some starters, but they're, they're, they're not set in stone yet, in my mind. They're going to be there. They're going to dominate the ACC, but that's the ACC. This is a very quality football team in A&M. This isn't going to be a cakewalk. I mean, I would like that line more if it was about 14 points. You know, that's something that I feel is about you know, reasonable expectation. But even at that, I still feel like A&M is going to make it a close game. A&M is going to keep it at least within 10. You know, I feel like it's going to be down to one or two possessions, uh, which team makes a bigger play and a bigger moment. But I think you, it, you're set to expect a great game. I think we're going to get another great game just like we got last year. And hopefully... You know, maybe it's just the road team. that That's the team that gets the win. Clemson got the win last year. And maybe we can go into Death Valley. And that's the one thing that Kellerman was talking about on ESPN. He was interviewed by Marcus Spears and that crew. He was asked about the uh, setting in Death Valley. Is he going to be ready for it? And, you know, he acknowledged Death Valley is ridiculous. But he's played in Kyle Field when it's been loud. He's played in a seven-overtime game against LSU where the, where the fans stormed the field. You know, 
Kellen Mond has handled relatively big moments. It's not going to be that foreign to him to be in Death Valley and to be called upon to make a play here and there. And I think he'll be able to. It's it's going to come down to the plays just, he made yeah, in the time. Just to add on to that, I mean, he, he also played at Alabama last year. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's a big crowd. That's never going to be – I mean, those are – in the college football realm, those are two um, – elite teams with very elite boosters um that may, you know they they put a lot of money into those games and those uh you know those those stadiums, those stadiums and those uh in that pro and those programs mm-hmm. so they're it's big time for those teams and uh you know it, it's it's allows us get it's as loud as it gets out there so it's a good thing that Kellerman and this team has had a loud environment before they've been there they just got to be able to do that in death valley in what is just as loud as Calfield. I think another uh, thing that kind of gets overlooked as well is uh, just Jimbo's experience versus Clemson. This is mm-hmm. a team that he's every year as a head coach he's had to play. So I, I really do think that last year with the score as close as it was, I do think that had something to do with Jimbo uh, just kind of used to Dabo's uh, schemes and everything. And I think you'll see a lot of the same as you saw last year versus A&M and Clemson. So I'm very excited to see it. I do think that the uh, Aggies, and I, I think they're going to keep it a much closer game than within 18 points. I, I see I, I see either team winning by about maybe six to eight points, honestly. I think it's a very close game. I think the offense has come to show out. Uh, and like I said, it's to me really a matter of who dominates the ground because I really do see both of these uh, receiving cores and both of the quarterbacks just putting on a clinic. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's really just a... Uh, Who's going to break the will of the other team's defense first? Yes, sir. I, I, I think that's a great that. way to put that. It's that's a, That is a great way to put that. I think it's also who is just going to be on their mark the entire night. I don't think it's... I, I'd be shocked to see if it was both... Mon and Lawrence, but I feel like somebody's going to be a little off their mark. For Lawrence, last last week was him. For Mond, he had some down moments, but most of those were cons- consistent throws. Yeah, even his throws. one interception was yeah. an it insane was unbelievable, grab. Unbelievable the, grab. That was also that guy's first career interception, uh, Brian London. Uh, hats off to him. That was an incredible catch. I didn't, I even know that he he picked that off. I mm. thought he was just reaching for it when I saw it. Yeah. So um, but yeah, no. For for Mond and Lawrence, this is a great quarterback matchup that is uh primed to happen here. You look back been, at five years from now and talk about oh we Kellen Mond a triple, which is yeah, a great because these are top notch recruit quarterbacks that you know right now they do have a, pre- a pretty good college resume heading into the league. They could be NFL quarterbacks. I can see it, that reasonably for both of these. It is interesting to note that Kellen Mond statistically has done the best versus Dabo Sweeney of any quarterback to have played against Dabo. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's just a rarity that you see. You get you see a guy that pretty much got it from that point forward. Yeah. Uh, there were some, you know, there were some pretty bad games that's in there. True. But I think that After that stuff that I saw last year, just with his behavior. On the field, on the field, and it's the way that he operated. Uh, those negatives that we saw aren't there; they mm-hmm. just don't look present. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't see him scrambling in the pocket. You don't see him maneuver. Well, I mean, you do see him maneuvering a bit in the pocket to get better position, but you don't see him just okay. I'm, I'm, I'm bailing. Like exactly. you don't see you don't see him bail very often. I mean, that rollout. I mean, that was not that yeah. was not him bailing. That was him that was getting a calculated. In a, that was a calculated move, move that he has practiced a lot. And I mean, it looked perfect mm-hmm. all the way around. And like I said, I mean, that just goes back to he looks much more composed. And I think you, that's something that we could have expected to see under the mature maturation of a uh, young quarterback under Jimbo Fisher. He loved I'm, to play developed, too. Yeah, I see. I'm, I'm, seeing this, I'm seeing us getting at least three touchdowns. I think the final score for the game is going to be 31 Clemson, 24 A&M. We get it within a touchdown. and we fall just short just due to the fact that it is at Death Valley. And like you said, it's going to come down to which quarterback has a more iffy performance. And I think it's just more likely that in Death Valley, Kellen plays a little less. It doesn't play to the level that Trevor Lawrence is going to play. But I still think he goes in there, this team goes in there, makes a statement that even though we're not beating Clemson, which is just as good, we're up there and – we need to be respected. We made that statement last year, and I think we'll continue to make that statement. And may, may I just note that Syracuse went to uh, Clemson last year and gave him a really good game. And I understand that Lawrence did get hurt in there, but Austin Bryce is a very capable quarterback that I believe that can go play at a lot of places in, in FBS. So, um, you know, it's 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 capable of happening. Mm-hmm. I don't know when the last time Clemson lost a game was. It was Back in 2017, I'm guessing. Maybe I, I, I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm 2017. I mean, I, it's crazy. I can't even remember yeah. the last time they lost. Um, but it's definitely possible. I think this Clemson team was really just trying to get into the groove of things, and they weren't afraid to throw their backup QB in there, which is a very good move for them because he is a good guy that needs his reps. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm predicting a 24-21 um, A&M dub here. Okay, we'll see. We'll see. I, I'm I'm feeling I'm feeling a dub, but I'm not absolutely positive, so that's why the score's kind of low. So I could honestly see. Uh, gonna go here. <laughs> go ahead and be brave. Um, twenty eight Texas A and M to twenty four Clemson. I think. Uh, I think the Alabama game uh, versus Clemson, the national title game. I think that proved a lot of things that no one is invincible. Mm-hmm. Um. A&M went ahead versus the same team last year. Gave them a hell of a run for their money. Um, I just see I just see an A&M team that has more depth, has more issues solved, and I just I, I have that feeling that A&M is going to be able to produce a big upset this year, and I think, I think we see it in week two. Yeah, I mean, I just saw a lot of people talk online. Just saying, like they're they're just unimpressed with this offense, stuff like that. I'm not sure what what game they were watching, but it probably wasn't ours. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, as Dylan just said, every every single one of those points he made was absolutely 100 percent accurate. This team has improved on so many levels that it's just it's just incredible. Uh, I, I think this, and just because of those improvements, I mean, if you were asking me this question last week, you know, is AM going to be Clemson? I'm going to tell you straight up, no. Because there's too many things that needed to be addressed. Yeah, a lot of those things got addressed in that game against Texas State. A lot of those things, and right now I can't, 
like positively tell somebody that we're going to lose that game. I just can't yeah. tell them that. You just got to hope that that, that uh, what we saw at Texas State against Texas State, our secondary's performance, our ability to get the run game going with two running backs. We had 200-yard rushers, Isaiah Spillman and Corbin both had 100 yards. You just hope that translates to Clemson as well. Yeah. And I think it will in some level, but I think we know what to expect. We know what to expect, uh, expect a good defensive lineman performance, Clemson 7 performance, a battle in the secondary, and Kellen Mund throwing the ball to Courtney Davis and Jamon Osmond. That's who Jimbo Fisher felt very comfortable with. We know we to expect some throws of them down the field, and hopefully Kendrick Rogers comes back and can contribute as well. That yeah. the last year's uh, game against Clemson when he showed out. Yeah, we know our strengths, our our faults, and it's if we can play better to our faults and excel at our strengths that's going to determine whether or not we win this game. I'm also hoping to see Cameron Buckley out there. Oh um, yeah, he was a quiet last last yeah. week. Right? I, he didn't have a reception last last mm-hmm. week. Uh, I just hope to see him back in there. He's formidable too. That guy. I mean, we have. At least, I believe at least five uh, receivers that are ready right now to make a make a big move. Mm-hmm. And then there are other guys. There are like three or four other guys that are primed to make that move. Uh, it's just a fact that they're going to get. It's just a matter of if they're going to get the real opportunity to do that, which I believe they will at some point in the season. But we'll see. I think there is an arsenal there for Kellen Mond. I think what's important for people to realize versus uh, Texas State Highland. Uh, performed was it's one thing to win off of sheer talent it's another thing to see them truly improve in aspects of fundamentals mm-hmm. like I said it doesn't matter who you're playing in terms of how Kellen Mond performed he was making NFL passes mm-hmm. it, the composure that that doesn't change as far as as talent the the uh, secondary who who I was surprised with they they fixed just many things on a fundamental level. The linebackers still were making plays. They were reading the gaps. They were reading the quarterback. All of these things. The reason that, I've, that I'm riding so high on A&M right now isn't because we beat Texas State. I, I expected that. We, we have the talent that we should just overwhelm a school like that. It was the fact that we improved in many aspects uh, fundamentally. Yeah. So that's why I'm riding high on Texas State or on Texas A&M, and that's why I see us uh, being able to pull off the upset versus Clemson. A lot of optimism here in College Station, and we're ready for this game Saturday. That's all we got for you guys in this second edition of the Year 2 podcast, the second year of Jimbo Fisher's tenure here in A&M. Giggum, let's hope we get a good win this Saturday, you guys. Sir, sure. Giggum. Thanks, Giggum.